York. Newark, New Jersey. Rochester, New York. Los Angeles, California. Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, and other cities have suffered rioting, burning, looting, and killing. Our nation's capital was burned and hundreds injured. Why? Why is this happening all over our nation? What triggered these uprisings? To answer these questions, we will drop in on a conversation. Let's listen as many questions are asked. Discussing these perplexing problems are Charles E. Smith, publisher of The Voice of Watts and three of his friends. Mr. Smith was in Watts during the 1965 rebellion and still lives in the same area of Los Angeles. Because of his intensive study of the civil rights and black power questions, as well as his personal involvement, Mr. Smith speaks with insight and understanding. Let's listen. Charlie, we wanted to talk to you. We know a lot of good colored people, but lately they've been acting kind of funny. I've even noticed a change in the mailman. You know, Charlie, there must be something wrong because I've had the same experience with my mailman. In the past, we really have had many pleasant conversations, and I felt we had a great respect for one another. Then, just all of a sudden, he sort of seemed distant, and it really bothered me. I even began to feel rather guilty. Then I was talking to Vicky here, and she was having the same problem. So I know it's not just me. Well, they only see the mailman once in a while, but I work with some colored guys, and I think they've let the radicals get too much influence. They sit around at lunchtime moaning about how they're being exploited and oppressed, and they're working at the same job I am and making the same money. One of them even gave me these posters and said they would explain everything. But, Charlie, I can't make heads or tails out of them. Well, I'll tell you what the posters mean. But first, you have to understand that there's a revolution going on. Now, let's look at the posters, and I'll explain them to you. Oh, this is a wild one. Only on the bones of the oppressors can the people's freedom be founded. Only the blood of the oppressors can fertilize the soil for the people's self-rule. While we're on, according to the revolutionaries, white people, including yourself, are supposed to be the oppressors. And the Negroes are supposed to be the oppressed people seeking self-rule. I'm an oppressor? I work the same job and make the same money, and I'm an oppressor? That's ridiculous. Yes, but you and your wife here, and Vicky, are supposedly oppressing the mailman. Now, you take this poster, for instance. It calls for Afro-American solidarity for the oppressed peoples of the world. This means that your buddies on a job see themselves as part of the black race, which is being oppressed all over the world. You mean colored people actually believe that stuff? I've seen some of it on television and read it in the newspapers, but I didn't think anybody really believed it. Do you mean the Negroes on the job actually believe they're being oppressed? They're working on the same job, making the same money I am. Why would they believe anything like that? Ron, the answer is race. I'm telling you these things, Ron, based on my own experience. Now, these so-called black leaders have been manufactured by the news media. They've been deliberately put into positions of leadership and they claim to speak for all of the Negroes. 
What they're really doing is preaching racial hatred. They've divided the black and the white people and they've pitted one against the other. Now, the same thing happened in Cuba, China, and Algeria. The whole plan is based on race. They've been sold the idea that the Negro owes his only loyalty to the black race, and not to God or country or family, but to his race. And you'll never understand what's going on unless you understand that every revolutionary program that's been introduced in the last 15 years has been sold to the Negro as something to advance his race. Oh, I think basically the programs have been sound and have really helped the colored people. Look at the things Martin Luther King tried to do. But here lately, I think some of the younger Negroes have become impatient. I think the riots, the manifestos, and the demands for reparations from the churches, and this cry for separation on the part of some of the militants, are doing an awful lot of damage to the things that Martin Luther King stood for. And that's where you're wrong. King was advancing the race just the same as those militants are advancing the race. Now what's happened is there's been a change in the methods. Now let's go back to 1954. That's when this race business really got started. The Negro leaders told the colored people that they should all get together and tear down the walls of segregation. This was like holding out a red flag to a bull. So the colored people, and a lot of good white people wanted to help them, had marches and demonstrations to dramatize the plight of the Negroes under segregation in the South. I certainly don't think segregation was good. I talked with a lot of colored people about it, and we agreed something had to be done. I don't think anybody wanted segregation. You're right about that. There was a lot of segregation, but there were very few people who wanted to maintain this segregation. But the Negro leaders singled out the Ku Klux Klan and said that they represented the thinking of the vast majority of white Southerners. This divided the people into two camps. Now, you had to be either for integration or for segregation, but it gave the colored people the idea that if you were for integration, you were a true American, you were filled with Christian love, you were a great humanitarian, you had dignity, showed charity, cherished freedom, and you were motivated by love. On the other hand, any Negroes who said that the marches and demonstrations and the agitation were designed to worsen relations between the colored and the white people, well, these people were characterized as Uncle Toms, black lackeys, bootlickers, white folks niggers, black buffoons, and fools. But segregation was a bad thing. I'll admit I never heard of these names you mentioned they called colored people. I always thought of the integration movement as being something that would make America a better place to live. Not just for Negroes, but for all people. Yes, but the fundamental fact is that you cannot integrate white people into white society. Integration specifically meant integrating Negroes into society. The important thing about the movement is that it mobilized Negro sentiment behind the Civil Rights Movement. And that sentiment was the beginning of a process whereby the Negro's loyalty was transferred to race. Well, you may be right, but don't forget, a great deal of good came from the integration drive. Why, Negroes don't have to suffer anymore from the terrible humiliation of having to ride in the back of a bus or not even being able to eat at a lunch counter. I know that. But these changes were made so as to give the people the impression that all Martin Luther King wanted to do was to bring racial harmony to the South like we had in the North at that time. But now it's easy to see that this wasn't his real intention, because just as soon as the barriers began to crumble in the South, King went North and discovered a new enemy of the Negroes. In the North, the problem couldn't be identified as segregation, 
because most of the North was integrated. So Martin Luther King identified the problem as ghetto life. Now, there was a lot of agitation and preparation made before he went North. So his campaign against these conditions hooked in the colored people in the North in exactly the same way as the campaign against segregation hooked in the Southern Negroes. The common denominator of the two campaigns was race. Now, let's recall how Martin Luther King went from city to city, discovering what he called intolerable conditions. A huge publicity campaign promoted Martin Luther King as a leader who would clean up the slums with his own hands. All of this publicity established him as a real champion of the Negro cause. So when he publishes a list of demands, these demands were treated by the press as legitimate goals of the Northern Negroes. But King demanded that the changes which he personally recommended be implemented immediately by city and state governments, or else a rising tide of militancy would engulf the Negroes, who in turn would rise and burn the ghettos. Well, you know how city and state governments are. Even if the demands had been legitimate and they had wanted to meet them, they couldn't have done so in the time that he allotted them. And just like that, the militants burned Watts. Well, that was the beginning. Well, why didn't the Negroes try to stop him? I know that in the white communities, if something like that happened, then people would join with the police and the law enforcement agencies and bring it to a screeching halt. You know that Watts thing went on for five days. Why didn't the Negro leaders and the Negro people join with the police to put it down? Now, you remember I told you that in the South, the civil rights leaders used the Klan as a symbol of the forces maintaining segregation. Well, according to these same leaders, the policemen in the North were just these same Klansmen without the sheets. Now, in the South, of course, it was Klan brutality. In the North, it was police brutality. So when the riot started around an incident they thought involved the police, the Negro leaders all called for the removal of the white policemen. And they said that the presence of these policemen was the real cause of the flare-up. Well, they got what they asked for, and the police were withdrawn. So you see, there were no police present for the Negro people to join with. Then the riot really got out of hand. These Negro leaders couldn't very well ask for the return of the police. In their minds, that would have been the same thing as asking for the Klan to ride in. Besides, Ron... What makes you think that these manufactured Negro leaders wanted that riot to end? Well... Don't look at me. I agree with you, Charlie. I think the leaders are just as responsible for that riot as the militants. Well, is there any justification for the charge of police brutality? No. There isn't enough physical brutality to justify any charge coming from the community as a whole. But the Negro leaders aren't talking about physical brutality. By police brutality... They mean the mere presence of white policemen in the Negro community. The policeman is supposed to be a Klansman with a badge and a blue uniform. If you ask the next Negro you meet about police brutality, he'll tell you that he's never been brutalized, but he heard that some guy two streets over was. You ask a guy two streets over if he's ever been brutalized, and he'll say no, but some guy living across the highway has been brutalized. What's happened is that the people have become so hung up on race that they believe that whatever happens to one Negro happens to all Negroes. If one Negro gets a traffic ticket and 50 others walk by, 50 Negroes have been brutalized. Now I see. The reason the leaders cry brutality is to get the Negroes to believe that the police are their enemies. That's right. The leading Negro magazine, Ebony, shows the police beating up on innocent Negroes. That's supposed to be the problem. 
Now, the Black Panther newspaper shows the Negroes, uh, excuse me, uh, the black militants, assassinating the policemen. That's supposed to be the solution. Are you saying that the leaders want the militants to assassinate the police? Yes. The leaders promote the use of violence as a method of removing the police. The leaders say that they want the police out because of brutality. And the militants say that they want them out because they're white. The leaders and the militants work together. Now, I'll show you how this worked in Cleveland. In 1968, the mayor, Carl Stokes, who happens to be a Negro, supplied money to a militant buddy of his named Ahmed Evans. Now, this character, Evans, used the money to buy guns, and he organized a demonstration against the Cleveland Police Department. In July 1968, this same character, Evans, and his buddies demonstrated against the police department, and they were carrying those guns. Now, believe it or not, the mayor... Mayor Carl Stokes joined the demonstrators. Three days later, Evans and that same bunch, minus the mayor, of course, ambushed and killed three policemen and wounded some others. Now, of course, the news media and the Negro leaders did exactly the same thing in Cleveland that they had done in Watts. They blamed the police for the trouble. Now, this got the people all stirred up, and they went on a rampage of looting and burning. And Stokes pulled out the white police because that's what the militants were demanding as their price for peace, just as the Negro leader did in Los Angeles in 1965. Now, to make it appear that the police couldn't handle the situation, the governor sent the National Guardian. Now, when the militant leaders learned this, they called the whole thing off and pretended that Stokes had really solved the problem by removing the white policemen and turning the community over to the black militants. Why didn't I read about that? I follow these things pretty closely, but I didn't know that's what happened. Ron, I know you saw the picture of the black militants carrying those guns out of the police station. And I know you saw the picture of those students carrying guns at the university. And you probably wondered why they carried guns. Well, the picture you didn't see was the picture of Adam Clayton Powell walking down the street in St. Louis being protected by a group of armed black militants. What were they protecting him from? They were protecting him from the threat of the white racist police. Oh, were the police threatening him? Nah, you missed the point. You see the bottom of the photograph? It says that Powell left the scene in a police car. The picture was intended to let the black militants know that the Negro leaders were in favor of their using arms to back up their demands. And it also let the Negroes know that there is absolutely no split between these respected leaders and the so-called militants. And you've got to realize that there wasn't any split in the civil rights movement when Martin Luther King pretended that the militants were different than the leaders. They were the same people. But let's get back to Martin Luther King. And uh, just look at what he did in the North. You remember in the South that the enemy was segregation and the goal was integration. In the North, the enemy was ghetto conditions and the goal, again, based 100% on race, was the full racial, social, and political equality for the Negro people. Now, that's what's commonly known as black power. Black power? Now, wait a minute, Charlie. The leaders for integration and black power is for separation. One of them has to represent the colored people. What do Negroes want, integration or separation? It's easy to be confused. Well, let's take an example. Have you ever asked yourself how Negroes feel about school busing? Well, I'll tell you. In Los Angeles, a public survey showed that 95% of the Negroes were opposed to school busing. 
but they went along with it because their leaders told them that busing would advance the black race. Now, go back to 1954 when those very same leaders were denouncing busing as being evil. They said anyone in favor of busing was a racist or an Uncle Tom. Now, that's because they were busing white kids to white schools and colored kids to colored schools. And a kid had to bypass the school right across the street from his home to be bused through a school a mile away. Now, here it is 15 years later, and those same leaders are busing colored kids 20 miles to a so-called white school while busing white kids 20 miles to go to a so-called black school. Only now, these same leaders are saying, busing is wonderful. Anyone not in favor of busing is a racist or an Uncle Tom. The Negro leaders can do anything they want to do so long as they claim it'll advance the race. But that's not black power, that's integration. So if the colored people are not in favor of school busing, they must want black control of black schools. No, they don't want black control of black schools. There's another program being sold to the colored people, and they think it has something to do with race. Ask any one of these professors advocating black control of black schools, and they'll tell you that blackness is a state of mind, and it's got nothing at all to do with color. Do you know what black studies really is? Well, that's those shaggy degenerates calling themselves liberals who are going into the Negro community to teach revolution by the book. They're teaching the colored people that white racists are keeping them down, and they're using the Kerner Report to prove it. They've already got him reading studies on the left, quotations of Chairman Mao, the works of Marx, Lenin, and how to overthrow the government. The people can't be all that stupid. Can't they see that it's impossible to back both an integration program and a separation program at the same time and remain sane? There can't be any racial peace as long as that keeps up. Surely you're not asking us to believe that none of them can understand that. Now, I didn't say they were stupid. I said they were hung up on race. As long as a program has some racial overtones, they'll back it. They believe there can't be anything wrong with these programs because the programs advance the race. Now, I'll show you how messed up they are. In Los Angeles, the highway department installed traffic signals on some of the ramps to the freeways so as to speed up the flow of traffic during rush hours. It just happened that this freeway ran through the Negro community. Now, what do you think the Negro newspaper said? They said it was a plot to keep Negroes off the freeway so that white people wouldn't be delayed on their way to and from work. The paper claimed these signals were also going to make Negroes late for work. It was all a racist plot. Now, this was just a trial project by the highway department, and if it worked, they were going to put the signals on all the freeways. But the paper claimed that if it really was a trial study and not a racist plot, the signals would have been installed on a freeway running through a white neighborhood. Well, that seems reasonable to me. They could have put the signals in the white community first, especially since there was a chance the signals could have caused resentment among the colored people. Yes, but what you don't realize is that if the signals had been installed in a white neighborhood, the same Negro newspapers would have said that Negro taxes had gone to pay for this system, which obviously aided the white man in getting to work. And the only reason it was installed in the Negro community was because the white racists didn't want the Negroes to get to work on time. No matter what the white people do, the Negro leaders claim there's a conspiracy against the Negroes. That's just plain insane. No, it's not insane. It's racism. The Negro leaders say, if you don't believe there's a conspiracy, go out and ask some white person, and he'll deny that he knows anything about it. Whitey knows about it but he's scared to admit it because if he admitted it, 
he'd be exposed for what he is. You wonder what's wrong with the mailman? You wonder why you've got almost no colored friends you can talk to? Well, the reason is that Negroes are bombarded with black racism 24 hours a day, every day of the year, year in and year out, but you just don't recognize it. Now, I'll give you an example which shouldn't have anything to do with race, but there it is. Take this poster you have here. It says the black student union is taking care of business. Let me explain what taking care of business means. At one of the colleges in California, the black students union made up a list of demands and gave it to the administration. They said if these demands weren't met immediately, there'd be violence on the campus. Naturally, they wanted black studies, black history, black dormitories, and, and so on. The administration turned down the demands. Then somebody put a bomb in one of the professor's mail bins. Only the professor didn't open the package. His secretary did. The bomb exploded and blew off one of her hands. Naturally, the black student junior was suspected. California State Senator Mervyn Donnelly showed up at the college and defended the BSU against what he said was a racist attempt to discredit a fine black organization. And according to him, anyone who would accuse them without concrete proof was a white racist and a bigot. Now look what happened. About a week later, at another college, a BSU chapter member had a bomb go off in his hands. The blast blew off his fingers, and it also blinded him. Now, there was no chance that anybody could say that the black student union was not involved in this bombing. Do you know what the Negro leaders did? They blamed Governor Reagan for the bombing. They said he was a white racist, and by his not giving in to the demands of the BSU, he forced this young student to turn to violence as the only means left to force the administration to give in. Now, that's what taking care of business means. I don't think they really meant that. You know how it is in a crisis. Both sides are making charges, and when things cool down, you find neither side really meant what they said. Besides, these are just isolated cases. Oh, these, these aren't isolated cases. It's happening all over. In Los Angeles, the black students union made, a, made demands, and when the administration wouldn't give in, they rioted. They beat up a photographer merely because he was white. Now, kids 16 and 17 years old have no business doing anything but trying to learn, but they spend their time beating up on white guys. If that photographer had been one of those shaggy sympathizers, like the guy in this photograph here, the guy on the right, well, they wouldn't have bothered him, and that's because he's one of them. Pretty soon, they'll be shooting white kids to advance the race. And the respected Negro leaders, like Whitney Young, for instance, will encourage the violence with statements like this. It often appears that only out of violence does anything happen. Oh, for crying out loud, I don't see why the colored people let their kids get into that kind of trouble. I know if it was my kid, I'd take him out to the woodshed and beat the daylights out of him. How do kids get involved in that kind of thing? It's through race. Let me emphasize now that what I'm telling you is it's just what I've learned myself. Now, the guy who was blown up got hooked on race in high school. They got him into a, an interracial group that was supposed to solve race problems. Now, they took him through this group and put him in a human relations group. Now, by that time, they had convinced him that he should work for the racial cause. And naturally, uh, he had to join a more militant organization like SNCC or CORE or the Black Students' Union. Now, if he hadn't been blown up, the next step would have been the Black Panthers or some other liberation group. All of it is based on race. Now, this student was no dummy. That's why these organizations recruited him. 
These harmless-sounding human relations groups are put into high schools to recruit large numbers of intellectuals for the revolution. The same program is being carried on on a massive scale in the communities, and they're doing it through these the churches and related organizations like the YMCA. And this is one of the big reasons that the people are all dinged up. The Negro leaders start these organizations like Operation Bootstrap, and they tell the people it's going to help them clean up the slums. What they don't tell them is that these organizations are really indoctrination centers. Now, they get these kids into these sensitivity sessions with these bearded psychiatrists who brainwash them. They tell them that black is beautiful. And to be black is to be proud, stately, masterly, and manly. And it's a noble African name inherited from my ancestors. But the worst part is that they teach them that the Negro is warped, that he's docile, low-class, slave-like, and that the name Negro is a slave name given us by the white man. That poster you've got there calling for solidarity, that means that Negroes should band together with the Africans and the Asians against the white man. Now, a guy goes into one of these community organizations, he gets his head all pumped full of these commission reports, he's taught the thoughts of Mao, Lenin, and Martin Luther King in sensitivity sessions, and he comes out like a robot who's ready to rape, pillage, and bomb. Now, they've been brainwashed into believing that they're in slavery, and they've got to liberate themselves with a gun. They just don't realize that they're the targets. Now, if one of these guys gets killed, well, that's so much the better. That's what your poster says here. In revolution, one wins or one dies. You know, I've always wondered about those organizations. On television, I often see these young Negroes making wild statements, and I never knew where they got their ideas. Every time there's trouble in the community, the leaders of those organizations side with the militants. Now, I don't know whether the leaders agree with all their statements, but when it comes to backing their demands, they sure do give them all the support necessary. I believe I mentioned I donated a lot of my time and money to get these organizations started. I really believe they were trying to help the colored people. But the more we did and the harder we worked, the worse things got. Now you tell me that's what these organizations were set up for in the first place. I feel betrayed. I think if you want to help someone, then you've got to help them through the church. Negroes are a very religious people. They're mostly Christians like we are, and I think we should strengthen the Christian bond because that's what will draw us together. That's the answer, Christianity. Yes, Christianity is the answer. But you've got to give the Negro leaders credit for being pretty smart. They knew that Christianity was the thing that drew people together. So they made arrangements a long time ago to cut the bond and use Christianity to divide the people. I'll tell you how they're doing it. Look at this leading Negro magazine. It's Ebony. And they carried an article which painted the picture that the community was in turmoil. Now, why was it in turmoil? Well, because the Negroes had rejected the white honky Christ and were looking for a black Christ. Now, there's a whole cabal of black ministers springing up claiming that they're only going to worship a black Christ. According to them, Christ is just something the white man invented to free the white man and keep the Negroes in slavery. According to these ministers, when you worship Christ, you're showing allegiance to the white race. And they say that if white people can be loyal to their race, Negroes should show loyalty to the black race, and they should worship a black Christ. Wait a minute, Charlie. White people don't worship Christ because of race. People worship Christ because he embodies their spiritual values. 
There are Christians of all colors and all races. I know it. But that's the way Christianity is being perverted to make Negroes show allegiance to race. The Negro leaders are the racists. Now, every time there's trouble in the community, the news media trots out these experts on urban problems, like Roy Wilkins, Whitney Young, uh, Ralph Abernathy, and they cite the Kearney Report and they tell a lie. They say, white people's only loyalty is to race, and therefore, the continuing racial violence is merely a reaction to this. Now, that's why those magazines are making such an effort to identify Christ as the white honky. Uh, you know that some of these Negro leaders are demanding a separate state. Consider the position that a Negro Christian would be in in a separate black state. There's no way these Negro leaders would permit anyone to worship a white god in a black state. Now, any Christian is automatically a traitor to the race and an enemy of the state if he worships Christ. You mean they're really serious about the separate black state? I never took that seriously. I thought those guys were just blowing off steam. Certainly they're serious. Let me just spell it out to you so you know exactly what's been going on. Just think of how far the Negro leaders have carried the Negro people towards that goal in the last 15 years. They started in the South. Segregation was the enemy, and integration was the goal. Now, this hooked in the Southern Negroes, and the Northern Negroes were sympathetic. Now, I mentioned earlier that the basis of this whole revolution was race. Now, you have to understand that the communists laid the foundations for the revolution way back in 1928. They published a little book called American Negro Problems, written by a Hungarian communist named Joseph Pagani. Now, this is what he said. Quote, First of all, we must consider the compact Negro farming masses of the black belt as the potential basis for the realization of the right of self-determination of a Negro state. End quote. And then he said, and again I quote him, the Workers' Communist Party of America must come out openly and unreservedly for the right of national self-determination for the Negroes. But at the same time, the Communist Party must state sharply that the realization of this self-determination cannot be secured under the present relations of power under capitalism. End quote. Now, these so-called leaders are simply carrying out the program laid down by the Communists, although they sell their program by saying that the goal is racial, social, and political equality for the Negro. Now, first they had to convince the Negroes that America was a white racist society and, as such, was the enemy of the Negroes in both the North and the South. Then they could launch the liberation movement for the separate black state. That's why we've got racial trouble all over the country. Martin Luther King. Listen to this, Ron. This uh, is in this little pamphlet, American Negro Problems. The Workers' Communist Party of America puts forward correctly as its central slogan, abolition of the whole system of race discrimination, full racial, social, and political equality for the Negro people. It's the central slogan of the Communist Party, and I thought Martin Luther King invented that. Yeah, but now you see how Martin Luther King operated. He made what seemed to be outrageous demands and said that if these demands weren't, weren't met immediately, the militants would burn the cities. And what happened? The militants burned the cities. Now, the other groups operate exactly the same way. But now the Negro leaders are demanding a separate black state. And when the time comes wrong, you'll give it to them. Now, they've got it all planned. You've seen the message. It says, America, 
change it or lose it. Now, the communists really mean business about this separate state. In fact, they've already established a shadow government just like the Viet Cong did in Vietnam. They call it the Republic of New Africa, and the headquarters are presently in Detroit. The first president of this new nation was Robert F. Williams, but it just as well could have been Martin Luther King. Now, Williams spent several years in Cuba, Algeria, and China. Now, he spent nearly all his time abroad writing revolutionary material, and he was showing the militants how they could destroy the United States and in the process create a separate black state. Here's an example of the kind of things he advocates in his newsletter. It's called The Crusader. Now, I'll quote directly from the newsletter. Quote, a small group of Negroes, three or four in a car and perhaps 50 cars, will filter into the white suburbs when the word is given. They'll be carrying guns. One white child in each suburb will be shot. The Negroes will move back to the inner city, hoping that white extremists will follow to seek revenge for the killing of his children. The bigness of next summer's riots will be determined by the extent by which these white extremists carry the fight to the Negro. Nothing is going to change it. It's all been planned in advance, end quote. Now, RAM, that is the Revolutionary Action Movement, CORE, SNCC, NAACP, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, the Black Panthers, and all these other so-called civil rights organizations are just the military and propaganda arms of the communist movement. Now, you may think that only Negroes are going to be the victims, but that's not so. All Americans are going to be the victims. Now, if these revolutionaries kill those kids, you'll give the federal government all the power it needs to have to reestablish law and order. Now, you might even believe this is going to solve the problem. But that quantity of power vested in a central government is exactly what they've got in communist Russia. It's exactly the same principle that the communists used to take Czechoslovakia. Jan Kozak, the historian and theoretician of the Czechoslovakian Communist Party, gloated about it in his book, and not a shot was fired. He describes in detail how the communists created just enough revolution in the streets for the people to demand law and order. Now, the people didn't know that they were secret communists in the government, so when the government troops brought law and order, all the people found themselves living in a gigantic prison, but they had lots of law and order. Now, in the same way, Adolf Hitler was elected Chancellor of the Reichstag. He promised the people law and order. He promised to stop the rioting, and he did it with an absolute dictatorship. It was exactly the same program, only there they used another minority. Now, the same principles of this conspiracy are at work in our country. The plan is to divide and conquer, to get the blacks and the whites fighting so it would appear that the only thing that could save this country would be the use of federal troops. You'd have a state of emergency, and the people will willingly give the government dictatorial powers, that is, just to stop the rioting and the killing. Ron, if you find it hard to believe, then answer this question. Who is giving prestige to the false leaders of this revolutionary movement? And who is giving in to their demands? And that's right. It's the very same people who are going to control the federal troops. The fundamentally decent American mind simply refuses to recognize the nature of the beasts with whom we are now engaged in the most completely all-out struggle that the human race has ever known. But it had better be recognizing these realities soon, or all decency will be deliberately wiped off the face of our planet. 
or if and when the United States goes the way of Czechoslovakia and China and Cuba and the Congo, not only will our own freedom, our lives and our country be lost, but our whole civilization will be destroyed. We do not have to be too late and we do not have to lose the fight. Communism has its weaknesses and the communist conspiracy has its vulnerable points. We have many layers of strength not yet rotted by all of the infiltration and political sabotage to which we have been subjected. Our danger is both immense and imminent, but it is not beyond the possibility of being overcome by the resistance that is still available. All we must find and build and use to win is sufficient understanding. Let's create that understanding and build that resistance with everything mortal men can put into the effort while there still is time. <laughs>